Good morning and welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. I am Rhonda Brighton-Hall. I'm the CEO and co-founder of MOI, Making Work Absolutely Human. And today I'm joined by our fabulous Adelaide Business Director, Sally Wolford. Welcome, Sally. Thanks, Rhonda. It's a big welcome from Adelaide. It's a bit cold and rainy again. Um, very, very similar to the Adelaide Crows and the footy losses in the AFL at the moment. But rather than focus on losses, let's look at spring. Spring's coming. I feel it in my bones. I can't wait for some warmth. <laughs> it does look like it's going to come that way. And as a Carlton fan, we've set, we've started spring with our first win, which was very exciting. Absolutely. So, other than football, we are going to talk about today about sexual harassment. And we're going to talk about moving this whole agenda forward. Now, it is a topic that is very, very much in the news right now. Um, we've seen the High Court, AMP, of course, we've all been reading it in the paper, and a bunch of others who are lying there hoping to avoid the front page of the news. But we're not going to take that approach and talk scandalous stories. What we're going to do is take a very different angle. And we're going to talk about zero tolerance. And rather than the check it out, find the person, hunt them down, blah, blah, blah sort of way, we're going to talk about zero tolerance, which is actually about culture and taking a totally different thought process to how we think about sexual harassment and what we might do. And we think it's much more effective. So to that agenda, uh, let's do this. What is sexual harassment? Why is it a problem? What are the laws? Are laws and policies important? And before everyone runs away, we actually want to talk about a better approach. And that's where we're going to go to. So Sally, you've done an awful lot of very powerful work in this space, particularly in emergency services. Tell me a little bit about your background in this agenda. Okay, so I've spent a large amount of time working in very male dominated organisations, typically fire and emergency services and policing. Um, and particularly in some of those organisations I've worked with, they've had very public reviews of sexual harassment in their organisations. It's been out, it's been in the media. Um, but I was in the, the lucky person, as, as you might say, to come in and help transform those cultures. Um, it's a very complex area when you start to talk about sexual harassment, particularly in those command and control organisations where it's a very hierarchical structures. Um, and they are literally designed to command and control in emergencies. They're designed to respond. Um, and so there's a lot of discussion about power, perceived or otherwise, over individuals or groups of individuals. Um, but when we, the work I've done, we've looked at the culture around it, those differences and, and the culture of speaking up versus shutting up very, very, very important in, in those sort of hierarchical organisations. Um, we introduced some real big changes about how we report incidents, get people to be confident to report those incidents, but also set some baseline expectations of behaviours as well. Really transform that culture of reporting and, and talking about sexual harassment, not hiding it under the rug, but really let's talk about it and what we can do to actually start to eliminate it in the workplace. So. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you and, and having, you know, a big fan of a lot of the work that you've done in that space. And it is about prevention. Once you get into a state where you're trying to solve it, it isn't a victimless crime. It's a crime where a lot of people are damaged, even just by the claim itself. So um, my experience, obviously, is um, from around the world. And people always, whenever we talk global, people always say the laws are different in each country and we should look at what the laws say and everything else. And sure, that's true. We all get that context matters. But... I would say that in any country I've worked in, um, no one has ever wanted to be bullied, harassed, sexually harassed, discriminated against at work. Like that's common, it's global, and it's a really good baseline to remember. So um, that 
being the baseline is that nobody wants to go to work and have this happen to them. Um, and no one wants to have that claim made against them either. So, you know, people don't want to do the wrong thing. They want to do the right thing. So that being the agenda, Sally, let's go straight to it. What is sexual harassment? Okay, so, you know, we're lucky in Australia, we have it legislated. So we have a really clear definition that's out there for us. Um, really, it's any unwanted, unwelcome sexual behaviour makes a person feel offended, humiliated or intimidated. Um, it's really some examples of that. Sexually suggested comments, you know, uh, jokes or innuendo. Um, that's, you know, a lot of people would commonly refer to that. Oh, that's just banter, actually you know, it comes under this cl this classification. Um, intrusive questions about someone's private life or how they're looking or their physical appearance. Um, staring and leering inappropriately. Um, unwelcome touching, petting, patting, groping, kissing. I could go on with lots of ings. Um, sexually explicit text messages, images or phone calls or emails, um, indecent exposure. We're coming up to the extremes of these behaviors. Um, and of course, sexual assault is way up on that spectrum of behaviors that we don't wanna see. It's extremely serious, serious impact on people. Um, and that's on everyone involved, whether it's you that's the victim or a bystander or even the person that's perpetrating it. There's an impact everywhere. Yeah. It, it, there is a shocking impact and it goes right up to and including sexual assault. And uh, I know that both of us have dealt with cases of that as well. So we get that this is not something that's just, oh, it's hard to tell, you know, it's not hard to tell it when it's bad, it's really bad. And so that's a great definition. I think our laws are really fair. Um, anyone who wants to discuss the law, sure, but they've been in place since 1984, which is not a long time. So um, I also think the thing that's really important is I was amazed to read the high court stories when they were talking about the fact that people kept coming out and saying, I gave up my career. I gave up my job. I walked away from the profession. I stopped being a lawyer. I mean, the damage to that is huge. We've lost the potential of those people, those women to be phenomenal at their careers and that field of expertise, which is so hard to get into. And yet they've thrown it away so early based on someone else's poor behavior, not their own. And I just think that's just so sad. And that's a long time before we get to things like post-traumatic stress, the long-term impact of bullying and harassment just goes on for years and years to come. And quite rightly, I love the fact that you call that, it's not just the person in the center of it, although obviously the damage to them can be devastating, but it's also the people who watch it and think, well, now I'm in a workplace where I'm not safe, um, where it's weird and I'm not really sure of the rules because these are the not the rules I'm used to living in my life with and it's they just feel really nervous about the whole thing. So basically we've got some good laws and they work pretty well, but let, let's talk a little bit about that law because I know you know the law as well. Yeah, um, and I, it's funny you're talking about, you know, it's it, it becomes a norm. So those behaviours, it becomes normal when it actually conflicts with someone's personal values of like, this isn't right. But when they see it happening and getting away with it, then it, it, it does tend to leave an impact on you as that sort of witness. Um, so our laws over here, 1984, I think I was very, very young when they first came in. <laughs> uh, I, I won't disclose my age, but it, yeah, I'm not sure I was just entering primary school. So, <laughs> and so they've been around for a very long time, which is really, really great. Um, and those, the laws basically are there to, to support us and, and give that clear line about what sexual harassment is and equally what it isn't as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's some really key things in amongst those laws that, 
you know, it doesn't have to be repeated incidents. You can have one-off significant incidents. It doesn't have to be a deliberate or event. It, it can be, you know, it can happen. People are, are interpreting it. It's very much about that, how the victim is feeling rather than how it was intended as well. Um, there's also some aspects under that about employers liability. And I think it's one of those things that people forget that as an employer, they have an absolute responsibility to take some reasonable steps to prevent it, to prevent employees from actually committing those acts. Um, and it's really, really important that vicarious liability, I think people forget. And there's been several cases where people have actually experienced the ramifications of not taking those reasonable steps. Uh, what you often see, the first thing that everyone usually says is, where's the policy? We need a policy. Um, it, it, <laughs> but I, I tend to see it actually, let's set some expectations of behaviours that you'd like to see in the workplace. The policy naturally comes out of those because you're just writing them up. Um, there's also that those pieces of having a conversation about it so that there are open conversations. The legislation is there to set the baseline of everything we don't want you to do. And we don't really want you to get to the point where you're having to use the legislation. You should have all those provisions in your workplace to prevent getting to those points. Yeah. Um, so really it's about making sure that you've put those things in place as an employer and that your employees understand what they mean for them in their day-to-day -day work. So that when they're actually there doing their job, because that's what we all turn up to do, Everybody understands what the expectations are and sexual harassment is not one of those in the workplace. Yeah, ever. Never, ever. Never, ever. So if that's what the law is, they're very fair. I mean, we have this debate sometimes where we say, oh, the laws are so tricky. They're not tricky at all. They're super clear. The examples that are written into it are just beautiful. And so what we're talking about is how do we deal with this in a better way? I think we've got good policies. We've got good laws. Now what? Now what are we going to do? And when we talk about this, there's one element of it that is absolutely um, my hobby horse. When we do the investigation, there's lots of rules around being impartial and isolating witnesses and everything else. But the reality of that situation is we almost double punish anyone who's involved in it. So if someone raises a claim um, and you've got a very combative, defensive lawyer type position that's doing the investigation, the person ends up completely isolated. And it is incredibly damaging. And I, you know, I can't describe how bad that is. So the impact of investigation is pretty wicked. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, if you, if you think about it, summoning the courage to, have, to put in a complaint, you're putting yourself out there and you're, being, you're, you're showing some vulnerability to be able to do that. Um, not only if you had the incident, but you've also then summoned that courage to complain, then to go through an investigation process where it's very interrogative, processes it, it's a very uncomfortable thing and it focuses back on that person again yes back on them to almost relive the experiences of what they've had saying it over and over again to probably different people um, it can be very very lonely if you're that person <laughs> that's reporting it it is um, and that impact on your career you know a lot of people um, particularly with organizations I've worked there's a fear of reporting for the impact that it might have on their career or their career path into the future. Um, and, and you could literally see some of these high profile cases where those that reported, yep. it damaged their, their career. Yeah, and you know it, like it's the reality is these really big ones that usually cost companies a lot of money and everything else. They might be, if you're a mid-level company person or a, you know, a mid-tier leader, um, the, the senior executive would never hear your name 
Like you're, you are years away from them knowing who you are and all of a sudden you're famous for something that you didn't want to be part of in the first place. So that's the, that you become associated with a reputational risk that just isn't your, of your making and that's often careers are ruined or a person's confidence is ruined or they don't want to stay in a company where they're not treated well. So I absolutely hear you on all of those things. And I think one point you went through is it takes a long time before people speak up. We estimate that that time for bullying is just on a year. A person will put up with it and try and deal with themselves and try and result for a year. And for sexual harassment, that period is somewhere between three and four months. So it's short of a sexual harassment, but it certainly doesn't make it any better. It's still a very long time to be carrying around a significant pain point at job on your job. And that's why we keep talking about needing a better way. And that's also that impact on your family and those around you, because you're most likely to have confided in them as well. So they can see the impact. They'll see the impact that it's having in that home life, irrespective of when you've reported it or not. So So when we talk about zero tolerance and we do, we do a lot of work on zero tolerance. It is, it's a really brave step because often when companies are starting this journey, they're in a bad space, like they've got claims or issues or they haven't resolved or expectations haven't been held or the bar's been low or whatever it happens to be. So we suddenly stand up and go, we're going to have zero tolerance. There's scepticism and people are going, oh, really? Like this has been a problem around here for ages. Why We don't believe you. So you get all the cynics and their dogs all come out. But the reality is unless you stand up and say that, it will continue. And so it's so important to say, a baseline for good culture is zero tolerance for the really bad behavior and sexual harassment absolutely is one of those really bad behaviors. So when we talk about zero tolerance, we talk about an expectation of leadership to be actively engaged in the agenda, to be listening, to be out and about talking about it, hearing it not filtered, not waiting for a case, but actually what is it like to work here? How does it work? The culture must be about respect, openness, having a common language where people can raise things, and understanding that everyone has a role in culture, including bystanders, and putting that together in a way that's absolutely clear that there is zero tolerance for below the line bad behavior, and that it will always be dealt with in a way that's very overt and not swept under the carpet. Absolutely. It's that culture where you can speak up and be heard, not stifling it under the rug. Yes, that's exactly right. Bring it out into the open and people are going to flag things that aren't going right, but they'll also flag positive behaviours. When you start to get that confidence to talk, yeah, people will raise examples where there's been positive behaviours and, and start to recognise that, yeah. um, which is really good. And having those trust in processes, trust in the systems and gaining that trust, you start to see people actually talking about it a lot more in the open and calling it out a lot more freely and easily. And I think there's also this element of the vast majority of people in any business and in society aren't going about deliberately harassing, sexually harassing, bullying people. That's not who we are. But all of us are capable of making a mistake, an ill-intended comment, a bad day, whatever it happens to be. But what happens in zero tolerance is that we understand our impact of those bad days. We understand the impact of when we make mistakes. It's not just a, well, that's okay, it was a bad day. It's actually, no, you've actually created a bad week, year, whatever for someone else. And so calling it out, having that conversation and having the person themselves saying, I'm not exactly sure what you meant by that, but this is how I felt. You can go, oh my goodness, that's not how I intend you to make you feel. And correcting your own behavior, course correct all the time, not waiting for it to escalate so that you're on the 15th time you've done that. People are really angry and now they're putting in a claim. So I think it is one of those things that becomes self-perpetuating when everybody in the culture has the same language and the same opportunity to talk about it. And you're not silencing the story. So 
you know, a pet hobby horse of mine is this, I'm very much anti-using non-disclosure agreements, as we sometimes call them, deeds of release, hush agreements as they're called in the States. But we take a person who's got a story, a claim that they're finally, you know, months, years down the track, have finally had the guts to tell. And we suddenly say to them, well, you can't tell it anymore and here's some money. And that in psychology is called a taboo trade-off. It's trading off a person's integrity and honesty for a bit of money and they will forever feel bad about that and they will feel progressively worse. So they go through the pain and try to resolve it and get better. But after that, they're complicit in protecting a person who has harassed or bullied them. And it is a terrible feeling to be complicit in protecting someone that should be scrutinised. And so that solution of hiding it is never the answer. It's always uncomfortable as it is. It's getting those stories so that people can hear them and you can resolve it, that people can learn from them and that we can move behaviour forward much more progressively than we would without the stories. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving it forward, having the conversation, don't hide it. Yeah. Um, that's what we really want to get to. We want to get to these cultures that are open, that are led differently, that are transparent and, and, and happy to have these conversations, getting rid of the eggshells so that we can actually say, actually, I understand you've been talking like that for the last decade, but it's really bugged me for 10 years. So if you could stop, that'd be really cool. And creating environments where people feel included, belong, respected, uh, appreciated, and all of those things can never be built on an environment that accepts sexual harassment. So um, we've got some fantastic examples of clients that we've worked with on this, some of them in case studies, some of them just in work that we've done. Um, we try and share as much as we possibly can. I know Sally, you made a beautiful guideline of how to deal with sexual harassment a couple of weeks back for our members which based on all the things that are happening at the moment, we've made free to everybody at the moment. So that's absolutely a great guide. It's a perfect piece of work that you've put together. Um, so we'll leave that with people and hopefully this conversation will start to mature and not become as taboo as it has been. Really appreciate your contribution into this, Sally. Thank you. No, thank you. Always love having a natter. <laughs> and uh, hope the rain clears up. Good luck on the football on the weekend. Um, <laughs> if you would like to get in touch with any of the Moi team, we're super easy to find. We are team at moi.live. Or if you'd like our newsletter, the same thing, just write to us and pick it up there or on www.moi.live. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. Thank you.